Hi, this is Joe Peters with In the Know of Joe. I've had the recent pleasure interviewing Mayor Dennis Sullivan of Somerville. And before the interview, he suggested that we get together and he give me a tour of Somerville, which we did. Listen in, as I think you'll find this interview very informative. So hello, it's Joe Peters with In the Know of Joe, and I've got on the call with me today, the mayor of Somerville, New Jersey, Dennis Sullivan. And I just found out he's only partially Sullivan. Uh, his parents were on the German, on the Polish side as well. So interesting uh, background, but that's, we're not going to tie the conversation down with that today. De Dennis, say hello and tell us a little about your background and how yes. you got to, to Somerville and became eventually the mayor years later. Great. Thank you. Good afternoon, Joe. Thank you for having me on. Um, Joe and I are old friends. We, uh, we met yesterday um, and I took him on a, on a walking tour of Somerville so he'd have some, uh, some visuals to go along with what we're going to talk about today. Uh, just a, a, brief, uh, a brief bit about me. My wife says I talk too much about myself, but I'll, I'll give you just uh, the, 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 uh, the Cliff Notes version. Uh, I came to Somerville as a, a elementary school teacher in 1973. Uh, I was living home on Staten Island and I said to myself, I'm, I'm willing to drive 30 miles to, to, to work. And uh, Somerville was 27 miles from, uh, from my parents' house on the south shore of Staten Island. So I, uh, I started uh, my, my professional career here and um, I was successful in uh, keeping pretty much the same job for the next 35 years here in the Somerville School District. So um, moved here with my wife in 1978 to bought a house uh, in the neighborhood where I was working so I could walk to school, not have to buy a car, deal with traffic. Uh, commuting over the outer bridge for, for five years was enough for me. And I uh, decided to walk to school. And being, being close to school, having a little time, uh, not having to commute, I was able to you know, get involved in the community little by little. I was a little league umpire. Uh, I'm a chess player. I started a chess club at school. And we outgrew my classroom, we outgrew the library, we outgrew the lunchroom. I eventually moved it to the public library and had a, a nice turnout of, uh, of students uh, coming in the evenings to learn to play chess. And uh, coincidentally, one of those chess players um, was a 10-year-old uh, boy by the name of Fred. Uh, Fred today sits on my borough council as a borough councilman. Wow. Uh, so it's it's just gratifying for me on a, on a professional level that that um, this, uh, this uh, little boy who'd rather play chess than play baseball was able to do both. He, uh, he played Little League, but he also played chess. And um, 30, 30 some years later, uh, he's sitting with me. He's my actually my borough council president this year. So little by little, I got in, in, involved in the community. My kids uh, started to grow and were active in, in the scouts and the T-ball and you know, all, all the, the community activities that we had had an opportunity to run for borough council in 1973, lost a very close election in my first uh, dip into the political pool, decided to run again the next year, uh, won that election. And for the next 23 years, I served on the borough council, made a stab at mayor in 2003. And in uh, probably the closest municipal election in Somerville's history, lost by three votes. Oh. So I had to sit out a year because my term had expired. My wife said, you got to do something with yourself. You're driving me nuts. <laughs> so I decided to run for borough council again. And for the next 15 years, I, I served on the council. And in, uh, in 2018, uh, mayor's opening came up. Uh, I won a special election for a one-year term and was uh, elected uh, in 2019. I ran for a four-year term actually ran unopposed, which was a, 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 another Somerville first. And so I'm in my third year now of, of, uh, of being mayor, second, second of my full four-year term I've got this year and two more years to go. Um, Somerville's been great to me and my family. And um, I was always raised uh, with, with the, uh, you know, with the give something back, um, you know, mantra that, that my dad is a former, uh, a former uh, World War II veteran, uh, always, always uh, impressed upon me that you know, service is important, even something small. So I, again, for the last quarter of a century, I've been involved in the uh, in, in local government, 
trying to uh, give good services at a fair price, representing the town as best I can and uh, trying to help make informed decisions that will, that will uh, keep it clean, safe and affordable for, uh, for the, the near and the distant future as well. And I well, think then, that Joe will agree that after our tour yesterday, I think uh, our town's doing a, doing a pretty good job of that. And you're coming up on 50 years, 2023 will be your 50th year in Somerville. Uh, I moved here in I moved here in 78, but I actually started here in 73. Yeah, September 1st, 1973, I first walked through the school door. So wow. oh, you, you've given me idea now for a, for a borough event. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that'll I'm sure that'll draw at least three or four people. So to, Dennis, uh, to recreate you, my entry into the lobby. I interview a lot of mayors, and you're the first mayor that said, "Why don't you come down and let me show you the town before we do our interview?" And it was well, I'm 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 very proud of our two square miles. We, you know, we're we're, we're small but mighty. That was one of our slogans years ago, and uh, uh, we pride ourselves in being a a cohesive, tight knit, uh, very walkable community. And I think you saw yesterday how how our our um, our, our small but vibrant downtown very really complements the uh, you know the, the residential neighborhoods and the, right. uh, and the and the service organizations and nonprofits that that call Somerville home. I walked away with a different. Uh, I've been involved in in Somerset County for at least the last ten years. I live in Huntington County, but I, I my real estate business covers both. I walked away with a totally different outlook on Somerville than I had. I thought it was a sleepy little town that sort of found itself and rejuvenated itself. But I walked away thinking differently. I see it as a big target with a bullseye in the middle. The outer parts of the target are the, the places where people live, little 50-year-old, 100-year-old communities that have been built up and added to over time. They've got hospitals, they've got schools. And as you get closer to downtown, you start to see newer high rises coming in so that people can live within walking distance to the town and the commuting lines that will run through the railroad station. And then when you get downtown, you've got a microcosm of what Somerset County and Somerville really is. Um, a really nice cross section of ethnicities, backgrounds and uh, interest levels. We walked up and down Main Street. We walked through the parking. I mean, there's ample parking. A lot of towns have a nice downtown, but there's no place to park. Not Somerville. There's plenty of places to park. Um, we actually talked. Not, not on a Friday night or a Saturday. You will not find a place to park. I, I sometimes, I, I live one mile from the courthouse and sometimes I'll just, I won't even struggle. I'll just walk. Right. I mean, it's uh now things are things are a little quiet right now, but we're starting to perk with with some of our summer events, and hopefully, as as you know, more people get vac vaccinated and have a little bit more confidence in going out in public. You, you know, if you come back, uh, I'll have you come back maybe on a Friday night right. in in the summer when our classic cars are out, when our concerts <laughs> are going, when our outdoor dining is uh, is at uh, you know at its peak, and you'll see that. Uh, we're not as sleepy as we were yesterday morning. Uh, well, I got to tell you, I was just blown away. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take you up on it because I do have a no. Please almost, do it, that, almost uh, vintage you know, Corvette. It won't, be, it won't be a heyday that it was two years ago, but it's uh, it, it's going to come back in, in increments, and uh, we're we're well positioned to uh, you know to, to take advantage of of the the uptick in 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 social, you know, in social interaction that, that everybody, you know, misses so much. So I did a little bit of history background on both population and real estate. Uh, population, you've got 2.33 square miles and you've got 12,000 people. This was as of 2010, so I'm sure it's grown since then. Yeah, I, I would estimate with, with a lot, with, with the, uh, the last three to four years with our, some of our residential apartment buildings, uh, they're not all online yet. Uh, we have, I think, seven proposed. I think four are actually, you know, being leased right now and two are under construction and one is in the developmental stage. Um, I'll have to see what the, the new census numbers look like. Uh, I, I know they're tabulating them now. Right. 
I would I would assume we've probably added maybe a thousand new people to that uh, over the last uh, couple of years. And as families move out and younger families move in, you have a, a, you know, a small change in, in, in population that way too. When we moved on to our street, um, which is a, a small street uh, with 20 homes, uh, mostly Cape Cods, there were only two or three kids on the block. And um, over the next 10 years, uh, we, we were filling up the school you know, from, our, from our street alone. Right. And when my, when my girls got to be teenagers, they had plenty of babysitting opportunities. Uh, now we only have a handful of kids again, but we've, we've sold some houses in the last year or two. So I imagine that cycle will, will repeat itself over time. Interestingly, uh, I was at a school board meeting last month. Uh, they're talking about their budget. Uh, our school population is relatively stable. Even though we've added uh, quite a few apartments in terms of residential you know, opportunities, our school-age population has really not changed at all. So um, that's one thing we're always, you know, sensitive to. Um, the the benefits of redevelopment sometimes come with hidden costs in terms of uh, additional personnel or, or school facility needs. But our school population from, from K to eight uh, remains relatively stable. And um, our high school population has not, has not changed much over the years either. And you share your high school with um, Branchburg? Branchburg is a tuition uh, school. We are the receiving district. Okay. And uh, each, each year they will tally their number of incoming freshmen, submit the data to the State Department of Education, and then the tuition rate is fixed by Trenton so that we have a predictable, you know, uh, number. You know, we know our, our school board knows exactly what the revenue from Branchburg will be. And interestingly, over the last few years, the, the, the percentage of students from Branchburg, as opposed to the uh, percentage of students from Somerville, uh, it was about 60-40 in favor of Branchburg. It's now creeping downward. The, um, the, uh, for the first time in a long time, the incoming first grade class in Branchburg has the same number of students as the incoming class of first graders here in Somerville. Interesting. Not because, not because we've grown, but because their birth rate has dropped. And I yeah. think that's a function of people getting married later, price of homes, uh, college debt. Yeah, uh, families are smaller now. So I would envision in another, you know, in another 14 years when those kids, you know, when, when those uh, kindergartners, you know, and first graders, nine years from now, when they start high school, our high school could very well be a 50-50 mix. And I know I did a study in Hunterdon County um, looking at the high school system five years ago. and they're actually seeing high school, and you can see it because it's coming through the grade schools, dropping about 20 to 24% over the next five years, which is just about where we're at now. And mostly because of what you just described, people are having fewer children, they're having children later in life. It's easier not to have children than it was years ago. There's a lot of reasons it's very expensive to have children. If you wanna go back to work after having a child, daycare is about 22,000 per child. That's a lot of money. If you have two kids in daycare, you've got to earn sixty thousand just to break even. So I retired in two thousand eight, uh, three days after my first grandson was born. Okay, and that was that was one reason that I retired. My you know, my daughter was looking looking at returning to work at some point, and um, I was contemplating you know another year or two of working, but you know I sat back and thought one night and said you know I. I've taught for 38 years. I've helped a lot of kids. Here's a little boy that that could be my, you know, could be my next project. And yep. um, so he, you know, I can remember how many years I'm retired because I just asked him how old he is. And that's, and that's my answer. He'll be, he'll be, uh, he'll be 13 in June. Wonderful. And uh, for our family, it was a, it was a logical, uh, you, know, uh, you know, decision. And I, I had prepared at some point to retire. I, I taught special needs kids and I, I came home tired every day. And I, I left everything I had, you know, at, uh, in the classroom. And after 35 years, I, I knew it was, it was gonna be time to, uh, to start a new, a new chapter in my, in my life's book and, and um, Adam was it. So it, uh, it worked out for me, but 
it's it's true. Our 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 elementary school population has been stable, and um, I don't see that changing even with the new, you know, apartments that are going up. They're they're just right. kid friendly. You and can't that, have a sandbox and you can't have a tricycle. Interesting, interesting. Because I know one of the things we're we're looking at when we look at what I call this bullseye is your. Your residential areas are very family friendly. So if you want to live in Somerville in that 2.3 square miles, you're probably with a family going to live on one of the older streets with a house that was probably built either during or right after the Second World War. And we've got a, we've got a, a tremendous range of housing op options. We've got some some Victorian 1880, 1890 era homes. We've got a lot of 1920s, 30s homes. My house was built in 1938, just before the war. There were a lot of the victory homes that that went that were built after the after World War II, just right. north of, of where my uh, neighborhood is. We've got a lot of the the, the small two bedroom capes on a slab without a basement, and not without a garage. And I know that's that kind of house my dad bought on Staten Island in 1950. It was uh, eight thousand one hundred dollars on a <laughs> fifty on a fifty by hundred lot. Today, those houses are selling for six hundred thousand dollars. Wow! But my my dad took his GI Bill and he 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 got out of the multifamily home he was living in in Bayonne, went across the across the river and into the country, and um, had a, we had a fantastic life growing up uh, in on Staten Island when when there were streams and beavers and 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 trees and 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 wide open spaces and uh, that. Um, there are plenty of housing options here in Somerville, from the high-rise luxury rentals yep. to the to the more modest homes like mine, where a, you know, a young married couple with two incomes can can pool their resources together and uh, you know put down a deposit. Interest rates are fantastic right now on a yeah. fifteen or a thirty-year mortgage. You can build equity. You can become a part of a community. And realtors are telling me they they're selling houses sight unseen, which yes. which is incredible. When you consider people are investing a quarter of a million dollars and up, they're 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 taking a leap of faith, and it, it makes me feel good as a mayor and as and as a resident here, that our that our town is um, is welcoming and attractive to people like my wife and I were you know you know forty five years ago. So I took a look at the mix of what sold last year, and just because I'm, I'm I do real estate for a living, it's not the focus of this call. But I've got some tools available to me. Sold 120 houses in town, of which one or two were seniors and one or two were communities like townhouses. But over 100 of them were single-family homes, and the average price was about $370,000. The highest-priced house was sold was in the mid sixes, and mm -hmm. so you're you're a very affordable town. Where where are you going to find a home in Somerset County in a, in a quality neighborhood with great schools and a medical center right. and a downtown and a train for under four hundred thousand dollars? I challenge any of your listeners to find me that community. I agree. So as you get down towards town now, you're, you there's at least a dozen projects you were just completed in the middle of or proposed of. High rises. These will be rental onlys, with the exception of one that's going to be some townhouses, which I'm sure are for sale. But those will probably bring more people in that want to come walk downtown than drive downtown. The uh, the, the uh, our planner has a uh, he says this is an industry term, and maybe you're familiar with walking wallets. Yes. People that don't want to do their own laundry. Yep. They don't. They don't want to shine their own shoes. Yep. They don't want to cook their own dinner. Um, we had uh, Rutgers uh, Blaustein School did some work for us a few years ago, and um, one of the stats that jumped out at me is that the average thirty-year-old um, person who's employed dines out twenty-eight times a month. Wow! So you figure you got three meals a day, so that's a total of ninety. So the average, you know, person half my age dines out between, I guess, lunch and dinner a third of the time. That's interesting. That's, um, you know, that's that's certainly a, a a driver of what we are trying to nurture in our downtown. We we focus on restaurants, 
small shops, unique shops. We stopped at the House of Jerky yesterday. Yes. I don't think I don't think there's another House of Jerky anywhere in Somerset County. I don't think um, so either. I was mentioning to Marilyn, and she says, we see that commercial on TV where they stop for the jerky, then it's so hot, they got to go buy some milk. You don't have to, you don't have to drive up a mountain. You just park your car <laughs> and walk on Division Street, and Dimitri will sell you any kind of jerky that you want. That, so, that's, the, that's the beauty of having you know, a walkable uh, yeah. you know, a downtown, which, which is a, you know, a, a driver of our economy. As I mentioned to you yesterday, we have a medical center here. We have county property here. We have group homes and churches. 42% of the land in Somerville is tax exempt. So as a result, our commercial downtown is a, a big contributor to the tax base. Right. Know, the homeowners are, are, you know, we've been pushing a big rock up a big hill ever since I've lived here. And you can look back in, in political literature from the 50s and 60s. And the only issue people want to talk about is the tax rate. And that's because of the 2.3 square miles, 40% uh, of which doesn't pay tax. So we, it's incumbent upon us to um, you know, generate revenue to replace what we lose with the exemptions. Um, you know, one, about 20 years ago, we, we um, Rite Aid built the property and they had to knock down four older homes on the corner of Union and Gaston. That one property alone resulted in a flat tax the next year. The wow. amount of income we made from the one Rite Aid store more than replaced the taxes on the four homes that were they were vacant at the time, so they were they were you know undertaxed. That one property alone made a big difference because I looked at it and I said something's wrong with this budget. Why why is it flat? And the CFO said we have more rateables. The value of that one Rite Aid was probably two to three times what the value of those four homes were. And that one improvement alone triggered a, a flat tax that year. So and when you that's bring how sensitive our budget is. When you bring something in like Rite Aid, how do they pay taxes on their business just the way people pay taxes on their houses? That's considered a rateable. Right. Well, with commercial property, and I, I didn't know this before I became an elected official, you know, uh, a commercial property is, is assessed differently than, than a private home. You know, my home is, is assessed at X and it, it, it changes and doesn't change in assessment until we do another property reevaluation, maybe in 10 or 15 years. Commercial property uh, is, is based on its income production. Oh, the, uh, a lot of the new projects that we have coming in now have to file financial statements uh, right. with, with us. And then we calculate you know, the amount of revenue that they owe to us. So if, if a property owner improves his property make, you know, and, and creates more trade, more business, he, he profits from it, but the town also profits in, in increased revenue. And we have taken advantage uh, to a great extent to the, um, the state funded and, and sponsored program called Pilots, payment in lieu of taxes. The, uh, we can enter into agreements with the developer for a fixed, a fixed amount of revenue each year for, um, for a 20, 25 year period of time. Um, most of the pro projects you saw yesterday that are new were all built on land that was uh, old industrial sites, uh, partially or if not heavily contaminated or vacant. Right. And we were getting land tax on properties that were, you know, in the thousands of dollars. Um, vacant land doesn't, doesn't generate much revenue. Uh, un, un empty warehouses, unused properties are, um, they, don't, they don't bring in much revenue. So by encouraging developers to redevelop those projects, um, they, they save a little bit, you know, upfront on the taxes the first few years to help them get established. And then over time, uh, you know, the, the pilots, uh, a lot of our pilots will be a 10 year at 10% at gross revenue, uh, five years at 12%, and then 10 years at 15%. So that over a 25 year period, we are, you know, we anticipate, uh, you know, a huge amount of, of income from coming from a property 
that was either contaminated and unbuildable or or just vacant and underutilized and that's uh that's that's been um you know we win both ways we get revenue but more importantly we're cleaning up contaminated sites that were a detriment right. to the public good so we we've got the the residential area on the outside of the target we've got the newer high rises just around the city even a few of them right on main street but most of them on the perimeter of the city and there's got to be 1,200 units going on over there. All of them are going to be two-bedroom units, you said, as well, which... There, there may be, and I, I, I don't know about the, the newest one over at the train station, there may be a smattering of threes, but we, we were very careful in the, in the planning process to limit the number of three bedrooms. Right. Um, from, from a density standpoint, and um, not, not that we can preclude kids from... from being born and living in the town, you know, where we can't deny a project because it may generate school-aged kids. I love kids. I mean, a town without children, you know, I think of the Pied Piper. I, don't, right. I would not want to live in uh, in Hamlin without uh, without kids. But we're we're very careful in in the mix that we encourage the developers to uh, to consider when they come in with their proposals. Uh, recently, we've we've uh, uh, encourage developers to put in studios. For a yep. while, we were doing one and two bedrooms only, but we had uh, we had interest uh, on multiple fronts for um, allowing some, uh, studios as part of a mix as well. So the last couple of projects we've approved have had a uh, I think about a ten percent uh, component for studios well, to studio allow being a you know, to allow a single person to come single. in. Single. Um, Another you know, walking wallet. Sure. So we, we've, we've made a conscious effort to try to encourage the, the, the kind of housing that will, will meet the needs of, of a young single person or a young couple. Uh, and then with the idea that if, if they rent and they look out on the town and they like it and they decide to have a family, well, you know, you can, you can have a kid in a one or two bedroom house, you know, apartment for a while, but it's going to want a tricycle. It's going to want a sandbox. It's going to want a Frisbee. We've got, you know, a lot of homes like mine that, uh, right. that are perfect for, for a small family. And in my case, uh, my, my three-bedroom house is too big now because my kids yeah. are both grown up. And, yeah, you know, it was tight when they were teenagers, but now I've got, I've got three rooms that are closets. So <laughs> we've, uh, you know, our, our, our long-range plan is to be you know, have the have the residential apartment buildings be the minor leagues for you know for the up and coming people that that want to you know want to stick their toe in the water of Somerville, see how they like it. And I've met a few homeowners over the last year or two that have done just that. They were renters. They decided to make a commitment. The interest rates will never be better, I don't think, than they are now. And I mean, that's more your expertise than mine, but. Yeah, uh, you can buy a house for under four hundred thousand dollars, and at a, at a three percent interest rate, that's a manageable payment. So we talked about the housing, the two types: the single family, the high rise rentals. Downtown then becomes the retail district, and it's retail in two directions at the same time. One is retail, as you typically think about it, but restaurant is also retail, and you have such a composite of walk around diversity downtown. It's absolutely amazing. I know Mike Kerwin, when I talked to him, said, where could you go and find six or eight different ethnicities in one block? He says, it's not only Somerset County, it's downtown Somerville. It's, it's a result of the county, but it's its own microcosm of, of diversity. And Mike said, couple of walkability with the diversity and you got Somerville. And it's- uh, Mike, Mike. Mike was very instrumental in the development of this town. He served as our mayor um, uh, after he was on the council for a few years. He came there, I believe, in the in the middle '80s. And he's um, no one knows Somerville better than than Mike. And he um, he was head of the business partnership until he retired last year. And when he retired, uh, I was looking for someone to serve on my redevelopment committee as a citizen. And um, I didn't have to think twice about asking him. And he graciously. Uh, accepted the invitation. So he had appointed me to a citizens committee back in the 80s. I, I returned the favor to him and uh, he's now on my uh, economic redevelopment committee. 
Wow. And um, I, I rely, you know, on, on his expertise and his, uh, his history and his passion for the town. He's um, one of the best Irish mayors we've ever had. <laughs> so we walked around the town yesterday. We actually circled the circumference of it, walked through ShopRite and walked through the areas that the big new buildings are going to be built on and through the parking lots. And then we went up and down Main Street, down Division Street and talked to a few of the retail store owners. And the very first one was um, the fellow, and I've got his card out here, he's called, uh, has a store named Evolve, which Evolve. Randy, yes, Randy Pitts. So it, it was a, an interesting conversation how the store started and how it got to be where it was today. And when I asked him how he was uh, affected by the pandemic, he said, I was affected, but we stayed in business. We found a way to survive. And um, I'm going to go back and talk to him deeper, but I was very impressed with him, his store, and his outlook on the economy. We also talked to Gallery on Main, which was Sean Daly, I guess. And it's, it looks like it's an antique store that you get inside. You find it's an art and framing shop. It's got a lot of little businesses built together. Most eclectic. You can you can say the word eclectic, and that covers that covers our town eclectic. from uh, from east to west. And and the way he survived was he was doing auctions online out of his store on on Facebook and things like that. So he was using social media to keep surviving. He's either shipping it. He says he ships all over the world, or you can drive up to the front and text them, and it'll bring your package out. So that was the second and the third one was we actually went to four because we went to the paint store as well. We went to the House of Jerky, which is on Division Street, which is your new walkable street, which has been closed. Pedestrian mall, yes. And it's a pedestrian mall. That's a term I was looking for. A lot of restaurants, a lot of little retailers. Uh, this fellow has a shop in New Hope and he has a street on a store on Main Street. And he opened his second one on Division Street and he's actually selling like 111 flavors of jerky. And I said, how do you get it? He said, I didn't develop it myself. I have a guy next to me in New Hope that has this kind of a store. So I used his assortment as part of my assortment here. And it was an amazing little store and very optimistic. The fourth was we never met the guy that was in there it was the paint store. Um, but, you know, it was like going back in history. It's one of those original ace hardware kind of feels when you walk in the old classical that's uh, that's Ridelico's right on right on main street yep. he's probably and, one of our, our longest serving merchants he was there i think from the early 70s and as we went from store to store and i think dennis you saw it before i saw it but we saw help wanted signs everywhere we must have saw 10 or 12 of them and we didn't look very hard. No. So and like we, I like I said to you on the phone prior to our meeting today, that was not planned. I it wasn't like <laughs> I scouted I scouted out the terrain the day before. Uh it, it just happened that way. And and I think that's um it shows the optimism that you know that our merchants have. The, right. the days I mean they're they're very creative. Uh the, the the days of just opening your door at 10 o'clock in the morning and hoping customers come in are gone. With, right. with with online shopping and people working, uh, you know, d different schedules, different hours, uh, that 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 old mom and pop concept of dad goes off to work and mom goes downtown to shop, that's that's gone forever. Yeah. And our our merchants, to their credit, um, are are um, innovative. Um, they're and and they work together. We have uh, a, we created a downtown Somerville Alliance. Uh, several years ago, it was a governmental department at first, but it, it is, we have now moved it out of our umbrella. It's now its own 5013C, and they're on board of directors that, that are chosen uh, independent of myself and the council. We do approve their budget because it is, uh, it is funded through special improvement tax money, but we have no, we have no hands-on day-to-day in terms of their operation. And so they, the one, they're, they're extremely, extremely um, proactive, um, great marketing, um, always looking for uh, you know, recruitment of new businesses and retention, helping businesses out, especially through the pandemic with loans and networking with state and federal opportunities. And um, 
yeah, we had a few businesses closed, but we've been cutting ribbons. So we cut two ribbons last month. We've got a few more coming up. Um, we, we have a few empty storefronts, but what downtown doesn't? Even the Bridgewater just, Mall. Just gonna Bridgewater Mall has, has vacancies. So right. I know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I didn't see a lot of vacant storefronts. There were a few, and as you said, they're they're, they're well hidden. We we okay. You know, we, 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 we try not to put the brown butcher paper up in the windows. But based based on where we are in economics today, coming through a really tough year and still faced, I mean, the bottom forty percent of our economy is still a great part still under or unemployed. Um, the town was in great shape. There was a vibrance about it. We were there midday. We started at 11 and we finished up about 1230. We talked to four different shop owners. We saw the, the, the help wanted signs. You were pointing out this building was sold. This building is where the, the Cust project is going up. This building is where the Morris project is going to extend over the street. We walked around. We saw the shop. What, what downtown has a shop right in the middle of the downtown? I know, as I mentioned, I worked the food drive there last year and I got to see how vibrant it was to have that store. And uh, a Starbucks, people get their eye teeth to get a Starbucks downtown. It's funny, about, about 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago, um, we were talking to Starbucks. Right. Coming in, because we were, we were trying to complement the, the small retail we had with some name brands. Right. And they, yeah, they were polite. They came out, did a, a quick look, but I, I could sense that the discussion wasn't going anywhere. And we heard back from them eventually that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, just not our type of demographic. So we filed it in our collective memory banks and said, uh, that maybe they'll be back someday. And lo and behold, about, I guess, uh, six, seven years ago when that, uh, when that first building opened there on the corner, uh, I heard that the owner was uh, negotiating with Starbucks to come in. And, um, you know, it's uh, the worm has turned, so to speak, because they're extremely happy there. I know it's a, you know, they've, they've had some bumps in, in, in the road. They've had to close for a while, but they, uh, it's one of the highest grossing Starbucks uh, in, in the state. And there's a Starbucks up at the mall, but I'd, I'd stack ours up against theirs any day. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, right now, if people work again at their house, you always need to find a place to go meet somebody face-to-face. We're doing more and more Zoom, but still, it never replaces the face-to-face. And Starbucks is typically that. The Starbucks in the mall, because I've met people there, is on that little adjacent part to the mall, which is where uh, the big Italian restaurant is. uh, uh, Mangino's? Mangino's. Yeah. It's over there. That's, they, they call that the promenade. The promenade, yeah. Which is, which is, which is French for walking, but yeah. it's, um, it's not in the mall. It's, it's sort of a, a quasi-downtown, but we've got, we've got the real deal. So we, we take a look at the, the four parts being residential, high-rise, downtown retail, downtown restaurant. It's, it's supplemented by easy commuting. It's supplemented by a great hospital system, a great school system, and a very safe living environment. You, you tend to have it all. And one of the things that I thought about, Marilyn and I discussed it last night, um, where are people coming from? You say, well, one person came from Bayonne, one came from Jersey City. I see it, and I'm going to do, we have a, a tool that tells where people move from zip code-wise. It's one of the things that Coldwell is different. Um, so we can tell where people are coming from and advertise there when we lift some. I'm going to run that on your town to see where the zip codes. Yeah, I'd be curious. If you send that to me, I'll share that with my economic development committee. So Because so, uh, we, you know, you know from, the old, from the movies, you know, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're making... Uh, decisions, you know, based on data, but also there's a, there's a certain amount of, of, uh, of uh, optimism and a leap of faith too that, that we can attract people from, you know, from, the, from not only the, the core of Somerset County, but from outside the county as well. And um, one, one thing that's in our favor, of course, is the train line. Yes. Even though we, have, we still only have limited access with the one seat ride and, and you know, it, as optimistic as I am about getting that, I know that that's years away. 
because okay. we've got to get the tunnel built. We've got to get more track capacity, but we at least have, you know, we have the, the, the ability to change trains. And um, yeah, I guess if you're a commuter and you're on a, a tough timetable, it's hard, but it's not impossible. And, you know, if, if you're, if you want to get into the city and you don't have to be in there to punch a clock at nine o'clock, it, it's a, uh, it's about an hour and 20 hour and 30 to Penn Station. It's a, uh, it's the one switch over in Newark. Right. And again, if you're not under the gun to, to, to be at your desk at a certain time, it's, it's doable. And, and with the one seat option, again, it's years away, but we want to be, you know, have everything prepared for when it does happen. I don't want to be 10 years behind trying right. to develop a town around the train station. We've got, we've got the infrastructure here. We're just trying to, we're trying to be ready if and when that tunnel, you know, when they cut that ribbon, I'll be ready to cut the ribbon on our end. So Dennis, it sounds like you've pulled the whole picture together. You've got a cohesive town, you've got a direction, you've got an alternative for people who want to live downtown and walk to work and walk the communication, uh, commutation. Um, you're probably the only one because we did talk to the one fellow as to who else he compared and he ran through the other towns and what the pluses and minuses were. You're unique because you have it all. Um, I'd like to come back and talk to you once a year as we go forward. Oh, get, get up more than that. I mean, and I, like I suggested, if you want to have a panel discussion, even with the merchants you, uh, you know, that you talk to, or you can, I gave you our, uh, our DSA uh, coordinators, so Carl, right. you, you know, she would be an excellent um, uh, person to, as well because she's actively in the in the recruitment end of things too, and they have um, they used to have a small office in Borough Hall. They now have an office right in the downtown, right across from the post office. Nice. So they are they are right you know in the heart of the commercial district, so oh. they have um, they have proximity and they have a, a real good handle on what on what's going on. But I'd love I'd love for you to come back every year and. Um, in fact, you know, anytime you want to come in the summer, come on a Friday night and you, you know, we are going to have classic cars to some I'm extent. Gonna, gonna We're going to have Saturday, that. Saturday evening concerts are going to be from 6 p.m. till 9 p.m. on Division Street, starting, I think, in June. We're going to have uh, Starlight Cinema, which are the outdoor uh, family oriented films. They'll be on Thursday nights, uh, I think, starting when school is out. Uh, if you check, uh, just check, check the Downtown Somerville Alliance website, that'll give you the calendar, or you can just call me. I'd, okay. love, I'd love for you to come and, and, and see the classic cars. Uh, my son-in-law bought a 1930 uh, Ford pickup truck, which he'd like to bring down. He's not sure if it'll go 50 miles an hour on 287, but uh, he's, he's, he would like to try and bring it down to display it. But it's, it's just a great family night. Uh, People are out walking, eating ice cream. Right. Uh, uh, there's going to be a new cookie store opening on Main Street. I love it. Uh, they're going to have a walk. They're going to have a walk-up window, so um, they'll be able to serve the public without worrying about interior conflicts. Um, it's just a, a fun family night. Uh, I don't know if they're planning to have a DJ or not. They, we, we in the past, uh, Fullerton Ford has sponsored a you know live uh, uh, live DJ music, sort of an oxymoron. But um, it, it's a, just a fun family night. We'll, we'll get thousands and thousands of people. And um, you know, we, we bring the people downtown and it's up to the merchants to figure out how to get them inside. And uh, we have a real, real strong working relationship with, with our merchant community. And we're always encouraging people, as you saw the posters yesterday, shop local. Right. Because um, you know, money, money that's spent locally recycles what three four times over I, yes. I remember reading something like that every dollar spent in a sure. local community just just mushrooms and uh, it's you know um i, I enjoyed our tour I, I i i don't get as much opportunity now to show mm -hmm. the town off in person and you're certainly welcome at any time and any of your listeners so uh, i would uh, encourage them to, to to you know just drive through and you might have to hunt for a place to park but if you're if you're intrepid enough, you'll find one in the lots or on some of the side streets uh, a block or two off, if you don't mind walking. Yeah. We are building a new parking deck. There'll be some public parking, uh, hopefully by uh, by the fall. And um, you can park in my driveway. I'm only a mile away. So um, 
it's um, up on that. It's, hey, a, so, it's, a, it's a it's a good problem to have. We have too people say there's too much traffic and too many people downtown. Our time, and, um, our time that's slot, uh, that's a good problem to have. Our time slot's almost at an end. I would like okay. to know one more little story that you related to me yesterday about how you personally go out and welcome everybody who moves into the town. Could well, you? we um, we started about three years ago. Uh, our local paper would publish the house closings. And we weren't selling that many houses at, at the time, you know, maybe one or two a week. So it was no big deal to clip, you know, clip that page out, put it in a, in a binder, put the name and address on an index card. I, I, I don't use a tablet. I use a pen and paper. Um, my my uh, younger colleagues on the council laugh at me, but I've never been late for a meeting and I've never missed the deadline because I have it written down. So I, I just started going around on Saturdays and, and you know, knocking, waiting about a month or so for people to get, get their boxes unpacked and get their closets loaded up and just knock on the door, introduce myself. And I, I basically ask them two questions. You know, where did you move from and why did you choose Somerville? Because, you know, for someone investing in a home, they, you, you don't do that on a whim. You, you know, you have access to, you know, with the internet, yeah, you have, all kinds of data. When I was looking for a house, I just got in my car after school and just started driving up and down the streets looking looking for the for sale signs. It's all this, the process is much more streamlined right now. I can I can I can see homes in San Diego from my from my bedroom here. Yep. Um, so I asked people, you know, where'd you move from? You know, why Somerville and what what can what can we do? You know, what can I do as a as a mayor and as a member of the governing body to, to make sure that your investment, you know, works out. And they're, um, uh, I'm very well received. Uh, sometimes people are shocked that the mayor himself is there. Uh, one, one young couple said, our neighbors warned warned us that you'd be coming and we didn't believe them. now you're here. I said, well, I hope it wasn't as unpleasant an experience as you thought it might be. But again, it's, um, you know, we're, we're, we're 12,000 neighbors. And I, I've, I've always approached it that way from my days in the schools to, you know, taking my kids to the playground and taking them to the pools in the summer and, you know, being involved in, in, in civic uh, programs at the library and at the Little League and in, in the church. Um, it's amazing how many, how, how people's lives are all interconnected. And I see that, especially when, when, when I have to attend a wake of a, of a community resident who's, who's passed away. I'll see former students, I'll see neighbors. Yep. Uh, I'll see people that lived in town have moved away, but knew that person because they went to school with them or they, uh, they, they babysat the, you know, the, their cousin. And it's, a, it's just amazing how people's lives in a, in a tight-knit community like this are intertwined. And it's, uh, it's uh, people say, is it hard to be a mayor? And uh, last year, notwithstanding, I, I instantly say no. It's not hard at all, because I've got um, I've got a I've got a family um, of 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 you know community-minded people, and I've got a borough staff uh, in in Borough Hall, in the police department, in our public works department, on our fire department, our rescue squad, that are um, are community first, and it's um, you know it's a it's a job, but it, it's a it's a pleasure and an honor, and um, I'm 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 enjoying every 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 minute of this. Even the even the phone calls that come at the, at the strangest time with the, <laughs> with the seemingly uh, unimportant problem. But if it's a if it's a resident's problem, it it, it deserves attention. I do encourage them right. to call after 10 p.m. because we have a police department for those kinds of calls. But it's um, Somerville gave me. You know, a, a direction and a purpose in life. It it gave me a, an opportunity to have a family and raise them. It gave my kids a tremendous education. Both of them are high school teachers in New Jersey today, and that's not an accident. That that started at, at the in the kindergarten room, that uh, that the, that they entered. You know, when they were five years old, and that love of learning has continued on through today. And it's um, I I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. If oh, I were to great. sell my house, I'd probably move into one of the rental apartments that, I, that my planning board approved. And that would, uh, 
that would suit me just fine when I'm when I'm too old to climb stairs and clean up gutters and, love and it. grass. Cool. So once again, this has been Joe Peters. I've been interviewing Mayor Dennis Sullivan and um, of Somerville. He came there 48 years ago and now he is Somerville and Somerville is him, I think. I appreciate that very much. And again, to you and your readers and listeners, um, you know, as things open up, as you get more comfortable, we've, we've taken a lot of precautions on our main street. We've got sanitizing stations. We have a cleaning company that comes through. Uh, Somerville is clean and safe. Uh, we welcome you. You'll find stuff here that you didn't know we had. And I know if you come once, you'll want to come back. And Great. so I certainly invite you anytime you have my number, call me on a Thursday and say, I want to come down and cruise with you on Friday. And uh, first ice cream cones on me. Hey, Dennis, thank you very much. Excellent. Again, I, I thank you and your listeners for giving me the time. I think you'll agree that listening to Mayor Sullivan is getting to know Somerville. He and Somerville at this point are one and the same. Dennis, thank you for an inspiring interview, and I hope that it inspires others to come down and take a look at the Somerville downtown area and take a walk around. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker Sales Associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.